Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers. Uh, I didn't know whether to stop. I mean, I just wanted the laughter to keep going. I don't know if I was doing you guys a favor or not. I heard some people saying that your jaws are tired, your mouth is tired. You guys have been laughing since 730. And, you know, um, the Word of God is not bound. And in so much as we are attached and embraced and enveloped and twisted together in the word of the Lord, we are not bound either. Wow, wow, wow. What joy, what joy, unfeigned, unrestrained joy. You know, every time I get on and you guys are on at 730, it only takes one of you to start laughing, and then all of you break out laughing, and then Mother Kennedy starts blowing the shofar, and then there's like a little uh, receding, like a little, um, you know, the tide going out, but then it comes back in again. Just amazing, uh, just organic, you know, the organic move of the spirit. Nothing feigned, nothing can contrive. We didn't say, okay, guys, on cue, laugh. Uh, it, it just is amazing where the spirit of the Lord is, there is is liberty. And so I thank God for the liberty that those that come on and pray before 8 o'clock and just enter into the joy of the Lord. Um, I'm just, I tell you, I'm beside myself. And, you know, I want you to know that God is fighting for you. He is fighting for you. He is for you. He's not against you. He is working all things together for your good because you love him and because you've been called according to his purpose. And he'll never stop chasing after you. There's not a mountain too high. There's not a there's not a, 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 a valley too low. There's not a, a, a spance that he won't cross to come and rescue you and to help the inexperienced. And so I don't know what you're going through personally. All of us have challenges that we're facing. The struggle is real, but God is even more real. Experience the joy of the Lord, the recklessness of his love, and that he can lead us into a deeper level of intimacy with himself. So welcome, welcome to Relationship Game Changers. Thank you so much for being a relationship game changer. And that simply means that you've decided to be the difference in the relationships God has given you to influence. For to us, it's given. Uh, It's up to us to be the change that God wants to accomplish in the areas of influence. That is, we facilitate the spirit of God by becoming who he says we should be to others that he wants us to Influence. Well, we're still talking about reclaiming our sovereignty, and one of the requirements of sovereignty is that we name ourselves. Naming is so important to your sovereignty. That's why your parents named you, because your name represents some borders. It represents a space, just like your body uh, are your borders, and they prevent anyone from just coming inside of you. So each of us have borders. We have sovereignty, and along with those borders and sovereignty, Sovereignty goes a name, the name that your parents gave you. And then we find that one of the things as Christian, actually, there are many names that we have, even as Jesus demonstrates through his own life. You know, it's interesting to me, for those of you who haven't been on, that Jesus named himself things that all could relate to. He, he named him things, himself things that were functional, easy to understand, useful to daily living, applicable to all. Doesn't that just sound like Jesus? Listen, we've made this gospel complicated. 
Jesus made it simple. Why? Because this gospel must be preached throughout the world. And so we need tools. We need language. We need understanding that can reach the, the, the uttermost parts of the world, even when we don't share the same language. If I hold up a loaf of bread or some staple in some country and someone is hungry, you don't need to understand the word uh, uh, bread. It doesn't need to be explained. It can be shown to you and you can partake of it. The same with light. If you've been in darkness, you don't need to understand light because when it comes on, you will notice the distinction because it will drive out the darkness. Jesus named himself things that were functional, useful, and understandable, even by the illiterate. Did you know, you know, those coming to Christ and even in the world, you know, we use the term apostle and prophet, but those, many of the people that we're reaching, they have no reference. They have no connection to that, those particular terms. And so while they're useful in the body of Christ, they are less useful when we are outside of the body of Christ, living the life Jesus is asking and desires us to live. I find that Jesus was quite practical. You know, again, he, he wants to appeal to all. I mean, think about it. If you love somebody, don't you want them to understand that you love them? And if you want them to understand that you love them, then you must speak to them in a language that they understand, not that you and I understand. And so we've already learned that Jesus named himself the bread of life. We also talked about that Jesus named himself the light, light of the light of the world. And so tonight I want to talk about Jesus declaring himself a door in John 10:7. I want to tell you what a, what a door is. I want to tell you the mystery of the door and how it applies to us today. I want to tell you what a door is, the mystery of the door, and how it applies to you and I today. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we're gathered here in your name, Lord, because we desire to know you in the power of your resurrection and, yea, even in the fellowship of your suffering. We're here because our desire is to seek Lord, the kingdom of God and your righteousness, so all these other things might be added unto us. Father God, we just thank you and we praise you, God, that if we call upon you, you will answer us. And if we ask anything according to your will, you will hear us and you will answer. You also said if two touch and agree is concerning anything, you will make good that which they've agreed upon. So we agree here tonight, God, that you are present, for we are gathered in your name, and more are we than two or three. And so we thank you, Father God, for being in our midst. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that many are the plans of men, but the counsel of the Lord shall stand. We thank you that the seven spirits that were upon Jesus and in Jesus are now here resident with us to do your will and good pleasure. We thank you and we praise you that the Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon your word tonight. We thank you and we praise you, God, that the Spirit of counsel and might is present tonight. We thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord are present here tonight, God. We thank you, Father God, that the seven spirits of God are here tonight for our sake, for our benefit, and for your glory. Now, Father, we command our souls to pay attention. We say, soul, pay attention tonight. 
Hear that you may believe and understand and become the laborer, a co-laborer with Christ in the world, co-laborer with God. Lord, we know that we are not only your co-laborers, God, but you are working on us. We are building with you, and yet you are building us, Lord. We thank and we praise you, Father God. Lord, I thank you, and I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Now give answers to your people tonight. Give help to the inexperienced. Lord, answer those distressed, God, and satisfy our souls with your goodness tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. You know what? One of the seven spirits I did not mention is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So, Father, may the spirit of wisdom and understanding be welcomed here tonight. We want the wisdom that comes from above, that is pure, gentle, easy to receive, and teachable, God. Lord, we thank you. We strike down and renounce the wisdom of this world, which is, self, which is self-serving, which is sensual and demonic. Lord, we receive your wisdom tonight in the hearing of our ears and in the reading of your word, in Jesus' name. Well, John 10, 7 says, Then Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, Jesus made this pronouncement. I had it open. Just give me one second. I had it open. Jesus made this announcement in John 10, 10. And you guys know One of the key verses to sovereignty that I read constantly or recite constantly is also in John 10, and that that verse is about 10 verses later. You'll recall it. No one takes my life. I lay it down only to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. And right before that, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And then we get to verse 7. We're backtracking. Get to verse 7. Truly, I tell you, I am the door for the sheep, and all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. And then John 10 One, the the whole thing starts off by saying, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own by name. God calls you by name and leads you out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of, him, ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave this as a parable or as a figure of a speech, but he said that, that, that they still didn't understand, and so then he drives it home. And he says in verse 7, truly I tell you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Now, I don't know what culture, uh, I, I can imagine every culture, every nation, every tribe has something that functions as a door. We have cloth doors. You might have a wood door. You could have a steel door. But I, I would be remiss to think that every culture has something 
that would uh, represent a door in that culture. And so Jesus says, I'm the door of the sheep. The word of, the word of is a preposition. I'm not trying to get into English language, but what I just want you to understand here is that word of means that it is showing a relationship with what comes before it or or with what comes after it. So the door of the sheep, the door is in relationship to the sheep. Now, prepositions, not only of, there's under, above, at, to, all of these can be prepositions, but they show relationships between time, space, or proximity, or possession. And so what's important here is that Jesus is not just any door to anyone. He is a door of or belonging to the sheep. The sheep are in possession of the door who is Christ. So in John 10, John 10, 7, Jesus declares that he is the door that belongs to the sheep. Think about it. Doors are connected to many things. Let me just list a few scriptures so you get the idea here. In um, Genesis six sixteen, it says the door of the ark. In Genesis nineteen eleven, the door of the house. Exodus 29:11 the door of tent meeting the the do, I'm sorry the door tent the the door tent of meeting in Exodus 29:11 the door belonging to the tabernacle in 1 Samuel 1:9 the doors belonging to heaven in Psalms 78 and 23 the doors belonging to our lips Psalms 141 and 3 and Micah 7, 5 says, the doors that belong to our mouth. Our mouth has doors, doors belonging to the courts. Many of us are familiar with the courts of heaven. Well, the doors of the courts on earth, nor are the doors in the courts of heaven just fling wide open. The doors of the court. Then there in Hosea 2.15, it talks about the doors to hope, the door of hope, a door of hope. So there's a door that leads to hope. And then in Matthew 27, it speaks of the door of the tomb or the door of death. So there are doors that lead to death. The Bible says in Proverbs, all of a man's ways seem right in his own eyes, but they end in destruction. So there's some doors we can go through and that all of us have experienced that have been to our uh, our detriment or to our hurt or to our harm. And then in Acts 14:27 it talks about the door of opportunity. And then and then in John 6:35 we already talked about these. Jesus said that he is the bread of life, the bread that is connected to life, the bread that is in relationship to life, the bread that belongs to life. And then John eight twelve, which we had been talking about after that, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. So the light is in relationship to the world, and we know the world to be a dark place. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So when Jesus says, I am the door in relationship and belonging to the sheep, what, he, what is he saying? And what is the mystery of the door? And how does it apply to us? Because if Jesus is a door, then so are we. For as Jesus is in the earth, so are we. Guys, we've got to stop making this gospel so deep and complicated. You're just a door. Now, there are all kinds of doors. 
But you can be whatever, you know, whatever kind of door God calls you to be. Door colors are different. Door styles are different. Doors are hung differently. Oh, my gosh. It is, the, 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 it's endless what you could look like as a door. Doors are based on, on what they're intended to, 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 to reveal or not reveal. So there's so many kinds of doors. Just like we talked about before, there's so many different kinds of bread. What kind of bread are you? So it's not that we're all this one thing. It, we are what is unique to our purpose. There are all kinds of, you know, lights and lamps. You don't have to be the same kind of light, but we are the light of the world, even as Jesus is living and conducting the Father's business through the Holy Spirit in us. So what is a door? And what do all doors have in common? All doors swing or lift on a hinge or slide on a bar. All doors. All doors have those things on come. They're either on a hinge that, that causes them to swing back and forward or lift up and down, or they slide on a bar. And as we said, doors can be made out of many different type of textiles. They're, they're different doors. And then all doors represent barriers by which access is granted or denied. All doors represent a barrier by which access can be granted or denied. All doors represent opportunity, whether unto life or death. Other words that are used uh, for door in the Bible are gate, portal, hatch. Those are just some of the things that, that are used most familiar. Many of us are familiar with gate and portals. We talk about portals a lot. A portal is a door. It's a door of opportunity, a gate, entry and exit. In John 10, 7, Jesus is literally saying, I am the person upon whom everything swings, slides, opens, closes exclusively for the benefit of the sheep. That is you and I and all that profess Christ. So in other words, all, I mean, our care, our provision, our protection comes through this particular door named Jesus Christ. And he's exclusively here for those that believe on him and those that will believe on him because of us. Jesus is the hinge upon which this whole gospel thing hinges. Uh, the whole Bible hinges, slides on, lifts up and down on. Jesus is the plumb line. He is the central figure. The Old Testament leads up. The Old Testament speaks about Jesus concealed, and the New Testament is Jesus revealed. So it's interesting, too, just a couple other facts. Depending on what translation you read, over 90 times in the New Testament, we are told what is available to us in Christ, the door. So over 90 times, we're told what is available to us on the other side of the door. And another 90 times or so in the New Testament, we find words in him referring to Jesus Christ. So in Christ and in him referring to Jesus over 180 times in the New Testament, depending on which translation you read. You know, it's interesting because through the mouth of, the, through the mouth of Jesus, his own mouth, and the apostles, you know, it, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's irrefutably clear to me that we all have need of 
and and desire and our desires, all of our needs and all of our desires are found in Christ. And I know we know this, guys, but stay with me because I want to explain to you the mystery of the door. Because sometimes in all of our learning, sometimes we can take for granted the Christ who's responsible for it all. And I believe that God is desiring to reintroduce his son to the body of Christ, to reveal again Jesus Christ to the body of Christ, and particularly to the bride. Why? Because he is making a bride for his son. So if the bride can't see the son, then how can the bride choose the son? How can the bride pursue the son? How can you pursue what you don't see? How can you have what you can't see? So I believe that Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, that the Father once again is just, is just reintroducing Jesus to us who believe as the door to everything we want, everything we desire, every opportunity, every pleasure, that we might find our pasture, our land, our soulmate, our justice, our retribution through Jesus Christ. You know, addressing culture and economics, religion, Paul speaking to the saints, the believers, that is the sheep in Colossae sums it up this way in Colossians 3, 3.11. It says, Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. Wow. And then Romans 11.36, the Father says that God, that all things are from God, through God, and to God. So we know that Jesus is in, is in the Father, and the Father is in the Son. And so together, all in all, Christ is all in all. And there's no other mediator between man and God. There's no other door. So there might be many ways to Jesus. There is only one way to the Father. Now, I, I don't know about you, but... I'm quick to to agree that that Christ is all in all. I declare it. But if I'm if I'm honest with you, you know there are areas of my life, areas that I struggle and wrestle to believe God. I I know some others have it all together, and they just you know they just believe God, and I do. But I also pray God help my unbelief at times. I believe, but sometimes I just need a little help with my unbelief because I've yet to obtain or triumph over the flesh and circumstances in some areas. And I trust that my salvation is in him and not in me, and that through him I am being made holy. But the reality is, guys, the struggle is real. You know, I I remember this um, TV show in the 60s. Some of you guys will know it. It was called Let's Make a Deal. And on this show there were pre-selected traders and and each of these traders were given and they're like there there was maybe like three or four individuals that got the opportunity to trade on each show but each trader was given something of value and they had the opportunity to trade it for something of greater value or perceived greater value but the catch was this the greater was always hidden behind one of three doors they were colorful doors I mean, they had all the, some of them had all the bells and whistles. And the greater or the perceived greater was hidden by one of the three doors. 
And so if the trader wanted to trade for something behind one of the doors, he had to pick the right door because if he didn't, then behind one of the doors, there was something that was intentionally to be of little or no value. It was called a zonk, and there was this buzzer that went along with it, and the whole audience would erupt in laughing because this person just traded something really valuable for something that um, is no value at all. So I think sometimes, you know, we do this as well. You know, we think that there are all these doors that we have to go through and try and see when Jesus is saying, I am the door. Don't look to the left nor to the right, but look unto me. Look unto me, the author and finisher of your faith. If your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. You know, walking with God is not a guessing game. He's not teasing us. He loves us. He wants to be found by us. He wants to be found by the intentional. He wants to be found by those that are seeking. He wants to be found by those that love him more than they love the things in this world. The Bible says no man can serve two masters, for either he will love the one and hate the other. And so part of our journey is finding out who and what we really love. And sometimes we find out we love God more than what's in front of us. And if you're like most human beings who also are Christian and filled with the Spirit and speaking to you also find out that sometimes you've chosen things uh, and, and expressed a love for things over God. And let me just say this. People, when people sin, it's generally not because an activity is labeled sin. You got to really understand this. That would be easy. If, if, if If there was a big old neon label on the activity called sin, whatever that is, most of us would, okay, can't walk there. It's like a pothole, gonna avoid that. It would be too easy to avoid. But I believe that some people sin because they mistake the door or the opportunity as the answer to a real and legitimate need. Let me say that again. I believe that some people, and sometimes I know, you know, I've been a, uh, uh, I don't want to say I've been a Christian, but I had gave my life to Christ in 1982, April, April 4th, 1982. And I can tell you there's some doors I've mistaken, and I mistook them because they seemed to meet a real need that I had. And that's what Satan does. He gives you part of the truth. He gives you an experience that seems legitimate, and then when it goes down, you know, you find that it wasn't all that it was supposed to be, and in fact, it was worse than you thought. And as my, one of my friends, who's an apostle, says, he says this, he said, sin takes you further than you want to go and keeps you there longer than you want to stay. And so the Bible also says in Proverbs 27, 7, when your soul is full, you turn down even the sweetest honey. So need represents hunger. And so we have physical hunger, we have emotional hunger, you know, we have mental hungers, you know, all kinds of things. But when we're full, we, we have the strength, the ability to turn down even the sweetest thing. But when our soul is starving, according to Proverbs 27, 7, 
every bitter thing becomes sweet. Again, I believe that some, some people sin even after professing Christ because their soul is starving. Their soul is starving. And the Bible says every, excuse me, every bitter thing becomes sweet. So in John 10, 7, Jesus establishes himself as the answer to our needs and our desires. He said, I am the door. And so that's how come, you know, I think he could tell the woman at the well in John 4. He said, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. Will never thirst again. So now that we know what the door is and what's for, then the question becomes, what is the mystery of the door? What is the mystery of the door? Well, Jesus Christ is the door. Another word for door is portal through whom God resides. Let me say this slowly so that that you'll be able to get it. Say Jesus on earth is a door. He's a portal. He's a portal. He is a portal for his father who lives outside of the earth. Let me say it another way. Jesus is a door or a portal in time for his father who resides outside of time. And so by connecting to the father who lives outside of time, heaven and the kingdom of God was brought to earth through Jesus Christ. So Jesus connects us, Jesus, by way of the Holy Spirit now, connects us who are in time with the God who is outside of time so that together we can perform his will and fulfill our unique purpose. What is the mystery? The mystery is that God needs an individual in time to connect with him who is outside of time to bring that which is outside of time into time. Now, the Bible says that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And so if you and I are going to see greater manifestation of the promises of God in our own lives and in the work he's given us to do, and if we're going to do greater work, see greater miracles and signs and wonders, by the way, you are a sign and you are a wonder that God wants to show off to the world. But if we're going to experience these things at a greater capacity, then it corresponds with our growing in the knowledge of him. Second Peter 3.18 reads this way, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now, in, now and in the day of eternity. So we grow in the knowledge of the Lord. That's what we're instructed to do. That's what Peter's telling us to do, to grow in in the knowledge of the Lord. Let me read one other scripture to you. And I wasn't going to read all of it, but I really want you to get this because it's it's super, super, super important as God reintroduces Jesus to us. And it's in um, it's in Second Peter 1, 3, 11. And I want you to pay special attention to verse 5, but I'm just going to read this. And um, God will catch up or compress the time because we're going to be finished when we're supposed to be. It says this here. Uh, let me see. Let me make sure I have the right one. 
Hold up, let me go back one. Okay, here we go. First Peter 1, 3 through 11, it says, His divine power has given us, well, let me just go, go back one verse to verse 2. Well, let me just go back to verse 1. <laughs> Listen, you've you got to get this. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of, righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So we have a faith equal to the apostles through the righteousness of, righteousness of God of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how is grace and peace multiplied? It's multiplied as we learn, know, and embrace Christ. And then verse 3, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them we may share in the divine nature. God wants us to partake, to share in the divine nature. He wants heaven manifested on earth through us as it was, as it is through Jesus Christ when he was on the earth in, human, in a human body. Divine, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Now, here's what I want you to get. For this very reason, what reason? The reason that he wants us to partake and share in his divine nature, make every effort to supplement or add to your faith. Let me just pause right there. Because we have made faith the end all and be all of everything. And I am telling you, faith is important. There is no slight to faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Him who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of them to diligently seek him. But God also said he's given every man a measure of faith. And then here, Peter is saying, if you want to partake in the divine nature, if you want more of the goodness uh, of the divine nature, then you're going to need add, to add some things to your faith. So he says, add to your faith goodness. And I don't have, this is an opportunity to break this down, but you can break this down further. Add to your faith goodness. Goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Add those things to your faith. And then in verse 8. For if you possess these things, these qualities, in increasing measure, which means we are to grow in the goodness, in goodness, we're to grow in the knowledge of Christ, we're to grow and God, we're to grow in self-control, we're to grow in endurance, we're to grow in godliness, we're to grow in brotherly affection, we're to grow in love. He said, for if you possess these things increasing in an increasing measure, they will keep you. 
from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you understood what I just understood, but what I just understood is faith is imperative. It is necessary. But faith alone, without goodness, without knowledge, without self-control, without endurance, without godliness, without brotherly affection, without love leads to idolatry. Listen to what it says. The person who lacks these things is blind. It doesn't say the person that lacks faith is blind. It says the person that lacks goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, love, if you lack these things, the Bible says we are blind if we lack these things and short-sighted and has forgotten that we had been cleansed from past sins. So then it goes on, and lastly, I'll read here, therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, what things? Grow in those things that I just said. You will, if you, if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided. Uh-oh, entry, a door. That some of the resources that we're praying and believing for are behind the door, and the key to the door is our growth in goodness, self-control, endurance, affection, and love, and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you mean that we all have we all have um, we all have access to Christ, but we all have not entered in to the doors that he has on the other side of these criteria. I'm just sitting here because I am astounded that there are things on the other side of the door. I think Paul said it this way, that we might have access into Let me understand something. If we need access, into something we stand, that means that there is a barrier. Even though we're in the grace, there's still a barrier. Even though we're in something, we may not have access to it. And what Peter is saying is that's right. There's some other things you need to be concerned about, and these other things have more to do with your character than they do with your faith. So now Jesus is in heaven making intercession for us according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit is on earth testifying about Jesus. John 15, 26 says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, 13, and 14 says the, the same thing. He says, but he, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. And then 1 John 4, 2, 3, 4, 2 and 3 says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, confesses Jesus, testifies of Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives the life of Jesus Christ out in you. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit testifies of the life, the will, the words of Jesus Christ. In other words, when we receive the Holy Spirit and when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we become witnesses, according to Acts 1.8, witnesses of what? Witnesses of the life of Christ now being lived out in us by the Holy Spirit. So we get to be as Christ is in the earth and as a human being, that he was a human being empowered by the Spirit of God. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in a human being as he was in Adam and Eve before they sinned, and God came again in Christ to reconcile us to himself. So now that we know what the door is, and that Jesus is the door through whom we enter and exit and have access and can find help, we can find hope, we find opportunity, and we understand what the mystery is that, that Jesus, via the, today, the Holy Spirit, is the portal be, between the eternal God and the time we live in. So whenever we want to receive from God, we go through the portal, we stand in the portal, we stand in the in the uh in the, the space, if you will, between heaven and earth and the eternal God, the timeless God, enters our time to do his will and his good pleasure in our lives. So that let me so the Hebrew word door is Dalit. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but it corresponds with the number four. And one meaning of the number four is message or motion or world. So Jesus Christ is the message of God. He is, in, he is the visible image of an invisible God. And in John 14, 79 says, to see me is to see the Father. If Jesus is the visible and vocal message of God, then we are his messengers and also have been given a message, a unique message, an aspect of God's glory, an aspect of the testimony of Jesus Christ, an aspect of truth that God wants us to manifest in our human lives to those he's given us to influence. So we are a message. That's why I say all the time when I, when I speak, I don't have a message for you. I am a message to you. Some will read me and throw me away. Some will hear me and decide, hmm, I don't know if that's God or not. But then for those who the message is for will hear and receive and be blessed and God will change your lives. Because every message is not to every person. We all display an aspect of his glory. That's why you and I are so important and coming together is so important so we can understand and celebrate the aspects of his glory that each one of us possess. The door, the number four, also means motion. Jesus Christ is the movement of God in the world. And what is the world but those who we are assigned that have yet to come and grow into the, or enter in and grow in the knowledge of God and his Christ. So Jesus is a message, you are a message. You're a messenger with a message, but you are a message. 
and you are the movement of God. You are the motion of God in the world today, in the relationships that he has given you to influence. Let me jump down here just for sake of time. I'm going to skip over that. I'm going to skip over this. I'll just, um, let me say this, that God is more committed to meeting our needs than we have faith to believe sometimes. And that's because when our basic needs are met, it frees us up. It frees us up to respond to God. It frees us up to follow God. It frees us up to yield to God, to obey God. And if you've ever had need of anything, I mean, you, you, you become fixated on it. I mean, if you don't have enough money at the end of the month to pay bills, that thing kind of arrests your attention. If you're going to be responsible, you're thinking about it. You're praying about it. So anytime there are needs that are not met, um, then it, it, it tends to capture our attention, and whatever captures our attention that pulls us away from God makes it difficult to serve God with all of our strength, to yield to him. And so as I remind you, it says when our soul is full, when our physical needs are met, our soul is full, emotionally, we can turn down things. But when we're hungry, it's really hard to turn down things even when they might be bad for us. You know that's true, and I know that's true too. So here we go. Let me just bring it in and just pray. The door is an entry and an exit. It provides access, opportunity, protection, provision. There's some things, there's some, you know, there's some things that God desires for us to have and experience but we haven't gone through the door we haven't gone through we haven't we haven't entered excuse me entered the door far enough we don't know enough we don't have enough knowledge of Jesus to be able to handle some things that are on the other side of that door because we don't know him well enough and it would be reckless of God the father to give us things just continuously give us things that will wreck our faith because we don't have the character and maturity to walk in those things. So it's often said, and you've heard it before, that our gift will take us places that our character won't be able to keep us. And we're, we're seeing that, and we'll see more and more. Why? Because character is more important than the anointing at the end of the day. The gifts are what God gives you. Character is what you give God. So the door is an entry. It's a portal from the eternal to the, to, to the um, temporal. The mystery of the door is that God needs a human being on earth in time, in your time, in my time. And our times may be different. They may be different based on space, where we are around the world. But God needs a man or a woman in, or a child in time that is able, that he's able to connect to outside of time so that he can bring that which is outside of time into the time of those that need it. Oh, my gosh. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a portal. He's looking for us to stand in the portal 
He's looking for us to stand in the space where an eternal God can meet with a temporal man and an exchange can take place so that the kingdom of God can manifest through you, through your life and my life. And when we come together, then we together are showing off the manifold wisdom, the aspects, the many aspects of God's wisdom to the powers, the principalities and powers of darkness. We need the mystery of the door. We need to be able to stand in that portal, in that doorway, go through that doorway for ourselves. We need to be able to go through for ourselves because God's will and assignment and purpose for your life is different than everyone else's. It might work together with others, but you have a unique purpose and assignment. So, again, if you're going to see greater things, greater manifestations, more promises unveiled in your life and in my life, then it will correspond to us growing in the knowledge of him. See, we think we know him and we talk about him, but talking about someone and knowing someone are very, very different. They're very, very different. And Jesus not only wants a relationship with us, he has that. He wants intimacy with us. He wants you to open your door. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He wants you to trust him with your door. The Bible says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door knocking. If any man will open the door, I will come in and fellowship with him. In other words, you not, you're not only a door and a portal, but you are a door. You have a door for which you're responsible for. You have the unique privilege of opening and closing, and Jesus is knocking. He's coming after you. He's chasing after you. He loves you. For some, he might knock a little harder. For some, he just gently taps on the door. But nevertheless, however he gets to your heart, he's knocking in this hour because he wants to show you great and mighty things that only come through knowing him intimately. Knowing him intimately. And finally, we are both messengers and a message of God. We are the movement of God in the earth to those that he's given us to influence. We are the visible image of an invisible God. You are the motion and the movement God is using in the earth in time to conduct his eternal purposes in the lives that he's given you to influence. Whether that's one person, whether it's a small group, whether it's a large group, whatever it is, You are the message and the motion that God is using today. Wow, wow. So, Father, I pray for these that hear your voice in the words that are spoken here tonight. Father, I pray that, Lord, you just simplify your word even further to your people. We have need of understanding you, God. Lord, we have need of understand. We have need of wisdom and understanding. We have need of ground strategy, God, as we believe you for the victory, God. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that we reside with you in heaven, sitting at the right hand of Jesus Christ, and yet we are also on earth. Father, right now we have a dual citizenship, Father. We are earth citizens, but we are also heaven citizens, God. And, Lord, your desire is that we would represent your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Father God, I pray for grace 
and peace to be multiplied to these as they learn and grow in the knowledge and the life of Jesus Christ. I thank you for reintroducing Jesus to us. I thank you for revealing him again. I thank you for causing us to fall in love all over again with him, God, that we return to our first love, God, that, Father God, that we will begin to major in the major things and not make the lesser things the major things, God. For, Lord, even as I said last week, Father God, your glory is the major thing, God, that the world would see your glory and the splendor of your greatness even through us. That's the major thing, God. Lord, that we would display love and compassion and justice, God, and the righteousness of God. These are the major things, Father. So deliver us, God, from majoring on the minors, God, and help us to focus that our eyes would be single and our whole body would be full of light. Lord, I ask you, that these people will be no longer tossed to and fro with religious traditions, the traditions of men that make your word ineffective, God. Set your people free from religion, God. Set your people free from religion in every denomination to religion, God. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, God. Yes, Father. Every denomination is a religion. Let me say that again. Every denomination is a religion. Christ is all in all. Every man-made denomination, every sect, you name it, I don't care what it is, it is a religion. It is people coming together around a certain set of beliefs and these different religions, Christian religions, they may have something in common, but there are some doctrinal um, and belief differences that sets one religion apart from another. And let me just say something controversial. The charismatic, non-denominational church is a religion. Now, I know that's going to, I'm stepping on toes here, but it has doctrines and practices that are in agreement with other Christian religions, but it has some that are different than other religions. Every denomination, non-denominational, is a non-denominational, non, the word non-denominational is a misnomer. It is, gives the impression that it is not a denomination. And when that, and by the Spirit of God, I would say to you, why do we need to put non in front of denomination and otherwise to suggest or convince those that follow that we are somehow other than a denomination? The Catholic Church is a denomination. It is a religion. And God is delivering his people from religion. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I know it's controversial, but I say it with the utmost love because that's the denomination I've spent most of my time in as a Christian. Matter of fact, all of my known time has been in non-denominational churches. And so I'm not speaking against, I speak about myself. It is a religion, and I've done many teachings on religion. And I would tell you, I would tell you, 
that God is delivering his people from religion, and the way he is doing it is by having us reclaim our sovereignty, our right and responsibility to think, decide, and act for ourselves, to declare, to, to, to name ourselves, and today I name myself bread. To the hungry, I'm bread. To those in dark, I am light. Oh, my gosh, because he is in me. And to those that need an entrance or an exit, I can be a door. I can be whatever Father would have me to be by the power of the Holy Spirit because I'm not constrained or restrained by religion. So, God, I pray in the name of Jesus. These words are not my words. They're your words because you are gathering together your people by reason of sacrifice, God. So, Father God, I ask you, God, to bring a wrecking ball to religion, God, in every denomination, God, that, Lord, that you would gather your people by reason of sacrifice, God, that you would gather together a remnant from every denomination that would declare Jesus Lord, and where he is Lord, there is liberty. Now, cause these to reclaim their sovereignty, God. Help them find their voice and declare the, you, the word and the aspect of your glory that you've assigned them. Cause them to be bold and strong, for you are with them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Amy? Wow, Kim, that was so good. I'm still thinking about the door, just how it relates not just to Jesus, but how each of us brings a different aspect, like with the bread. So I think it's something we definitely need to sit with. I know God is going to reveal even more to each of us this week. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be <laughs> listening again on Spotify just, because it really this Amy, I'm is just so stuck powerful. On, I'm just I'm stuck on this 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 that final word I gave because I, I I'm trembling because you know. I really believe, one, that God is reintroducing Christ, Jesus, to the body of Christ. But secondly, that God is delivering his people from religion and denominations, that we would worship God and him alone in spirit and in truth, and that we will see people from every denomination come together to lift up the name of Jesus. For he said, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men unto me. And so I just thank God that we preach, teach, and live Jesus. We are becoming what we have professed in Jesus' name. I just feel so strongly that there are those on the line that you really ought to pray and take that word to the Lord and see what he says to you about it. See what he says to you. Again, man sets up religion. God set up a kingdom. And religion is designed to imitate a kingdom. So Jesus came to preach a kingdom, not a religion. And so I pray, I, I, I don't know, Amy, I just pray that, that God would continue to set his people free from religion and that his sheep would hear his voice no matter where that voice is and through whom it comes, that Jesus be heard in all. I definitely see. I think that's part of the reason that when we get on and we pray before this call that we're able to enter in and just 
laugh and connect because he is bringing down the barriers of religion and connecting just in him, in Jesus, is freeing. There's freedom. There's instant life. I think he is. I know in in my life I can see where he's showing me that's not me, that's religion, but it's easy to confuse them when you've been doing some religious ritual that, you know, seems good until you realize "Mm, sometimes it's not even that it's bad. It's just not always Jesus. So like you say, he's introducing himself. He is because I think sometimes we've just added so much to who he is. I think so. And then, you know, it's also hard because every religion has scripture. And so one of the challenges we have in this hour is that we can use scripture to justify anything. We all, we've all done it at some point or another. So every religion has scripture, which it is based on. The problem is this. When you make the minor thing the major thing, then you have a religion. So I believe, again, controversial, that there will be people in heaven who don't speak in tongues. Now, that might be a door they chose not to go through for whatever reason. But salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. It doesn't say in Jesus Christ only if you speak in tongues. Now, I like speaking in tongues. Do it, and I grow in the length that I can speak in tongues. But that is not the reason or my, my ticket into eternal uh, life with Christ and, and the Father. Jesus alone is the reason. He is the door. He is the answer. And there are other religions. You, you, some of you have been part of them where they hold this one doctrine up. You know, there, there's the holiness where, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, and so behavior becomes the dividing factor. But if you go to the different religions, each one of them will have something that, they, that is minor that they have made major, and therefore we fall short of the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Well, if you guys want to replay this and listen again to the teaching, I'm going to go ahead and give the number. It's 605-475-4980. And then you enter in 341-000-POUND. And what number is tonight, Kim? 168 pounds. 168-POUND. Mm-hmm. 168 pound and also you can find us on Spotify or actually anywhere you listen to your podcast um, you can put Kim's name in and you will see a picture of her and um, with the name the title of the podcast and we have it listed with numbers as well so it'll be number 168 pound and Also, I always like to give my number in case you have any questions and don't know where to find the answer. You can always text me at 678-754-0867.
Well, Kim, any final words? No, I just take, I pray that each one will take the, take the words and just take them to the Father. And what sticks with you, receive it from the Father. What doesn't, let it roll off your back like water rolls off the wet, wet duck's back. And just let's love each other in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on the line next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.